The following is a Secure Foundation broadcast. If you do not have the proper security clearance to listen to this broadcast, please turn off your listening device now and turn yourself in to the police. Our personnel will take it from there. Commencing playback of deadly auditory cognito hazard in 3, 2, 1. Secure Contained Podcast, a show that explains and discusses every aspect of the SCP Foundation, one topic at a time. I'm your uh, sole host again, David. Uh, today, Soren is is not here as again. Um, he, I believe, he had some. Uh, I believe he had some schoolwork that he had to catch up on, and you know, uh, that's a, a thing that is unfortunately necessary. So he's not here this week. Uh, he may or may not be here next week. If we will see and uh we'll see soon hopefully he will be uh hopefully he will recover from his procrastination disease but let's be honest i don't think that ever i don't think that thing ever really goes away um so yeah so again it's just me today and today i not we uh i'm gonna be talking about anderson robotics uh, in which soren put robotics dudes in all caps in the notes um I'm gonna go ahead and read the overview on the on the main main page. Obviously, it's just Anderson Robotics Sub. So the group number is uh, GOI-1115 Anderson Robotics. Membership has about 200 employees worldwide. And there's a footnote that says, due to the use of Saker units in Anderson's workforce, it's difficult to pinpoint an exact number of employees. Status is active. And then before I read all the stuff on the right, there are two different like little logos. Uh, the one on top just says Anderson Robotics. And it was their trade logo circa 1998. And then below is, I guess, the new version. And it's sort of like a chicken, I guess. Um, but, like, also a robot. Which I think was also a show. Robot Chicken was a thing. I don't know. Um, and, yeah, it says Anderson Robotics trade logo circa 2014. So the description says, Anderson Robotics is a paratech firm specializing in the sale of anomalous robots, androids, artificial intelligence, computer programs, and cybernetics. While it is believed that Anderson Robotics has been in operation since the 1990s, the firm first came to f- the Foundation's attention in 2007 after the capture of SCP-1360, which, if I pull up real quick, uh, looks like an android. Um, not going into any details there. Uh, during a raid on a paratech trafficking warehouse in Seattle. Since this initial contact, Anderson Robotics has been recognized as the foremost dealer of robotics paratechnology. While Anderson Robotics has achieved a worldwide presence, especially following its 2014 distribution partnership with Marshall, Carter, and Dark Limited, its current base of operations is the continental United States, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Major production, distribution, and administrative facilities have been uncovered in Oregon, Washington, and California, with recent expansions into New Mexico, Arizona, and Louisiana. Multiple SCP objects have been attributed to this group since its discovery, Personnel may reference items indexed under Anderson for a complete list, and that's a link which I'm going to assume is, yeah, it's all the things that have been tagged with uh, Anderson. Current investigations into the internal framework of Anderson Robotics by MTF Gamma 13, Asimov's Lawbringers, has uncovered that the primary administrative core of, of, of the firm consists of a board of six individuals listed below. Vincent Anderson, who is Chief Executive Officer, uh, Type Blue Anomalous Humanoid, Albert Phineas Frostman, Chief Operating Officer, Type Blue Anomalous Humanoid. Dr. Medea Contos, Co-Head of Research and Development. Jason Contos, Co-Head of Research and Development. Dr. Jeffrey Wilson, Head of Advanced Logic Division. And Isaac Diller, Executive Officer. I'm not really sure what uh, blue Type Blue is. Um, I, think, I think in the last episode there was like, we saw one page where it was like a, a level of threat or something, but I don't, I don't remember all the colors. Attempts to apprehend the above individuals have been hampered by the organization's remarkable espionage abilities, anomalous nature of their facilities, and strong support from external groups of interest. Uh, this not only includes Marshall, Carter, and Dark, and the GOC, but of both of whom have multiple supply contracts with Anderson Robotics, but also the Church of Maxwellism, which I don't believe we've done yet. Um, if we have, I'm sorry and dumb. Uh, who hold favorable views of Anderson Robotics products and personnel. 
looking over at the product information, um, that's also some some stuff about them, obviously, because it's on the hub. Why why I don't know why I needed to explain that, but it's a thing. Uh, the first one is uh, Amherst Series Recon Drone, small orb-shaped robots with retractable legs that are capable of climbing shared surfaces. These tiny drones are approximately 5 centimeters in diameter. Each comes equipped with video and audio recording capabilities and an active camouflage system. Multiple instances have been recovered spying on Foundation personnel, specifically those located at Site-64, 81, and 88. Uh, Applemoto yeah, Series Facility Defense Unit. An auto turret standing at approximately 2 meters in height with thermal imaging capabilities and 4 barrels which can accommodate a wide variety of armaments. A self-repairing outer armor renders Appomato units largely immune to most small arms fire. Uh, I think that says Gear Falcon series prosthetics. First released for consumer sale in 2016, the Gear Falcon series consists of cybernetic eyes, legs, and arms with a large variety of parahuman abilities and functions. Unlike other Anderson Robotics uh, products, the Gear Falcon series is offered almost exclusively to customers of Marshall Carter and Dark Limited. And then to the right, um, there's a picture of like a prosthetic arm. It says SCP-2806, which, again, if I run over there real quick, is uh, a collection of seven prosthetics arms, six prosthetic eyes, three prosthetic legs, and four prosthetic ears. So it's, it's uh, basically just a lot of different prosthetics, a collection of all of them. Uh, going back, uh, yeah, it says a prototype uh, Gear Falcon series prosthetic captured by Foundation agents in 2015. The next is Hobby Personal Android, uh, which is a link that takes you to an SCP, which is a total of 10 fully articulated humanoid toy robots manufactured by Anderson Robotics. Um, Standing at 31 centimeters in height, the Hobby Personal Androids are a series of toy robot pro prototypes captured by the SCP Foundation during the May 24th, 2024 raid on Anderson Robotics World Headquarters. Uh, that's also a link. I'm assuming if I click that, it's going to take me to a tail. Uh, it looks like it is. Um, designed to be assembled and programmed by the user, the skill sets present present in each unit is de dependent on a series of five personality traits selected by the user during construction. Next is Kestrel Series... A domestic utility unit standing at over a meter in height and resembling a large black cube. Kestrel units contain multiple arms that can be specialized for a wide variety of domestic uses. Examples have included cooking, cleaning, carpentry, auto work, childcare, farming, gardening, and pet grooming. Merlin Series Aerial Drone. Resembling a small jet plane with a wingspan of 34 centimeters, Merlin Series drones have been, observing, have been observed carrying a wide variety of armaments and possess video recording capabilities. The unique outer casing of the unit renders it invisible to most forms of video recording. Uh, the next is the Nankin Computer Repair System. A prototype developed by Anderson Robotics in 2012, the NCRS is a flash drive containing an artificial intelligence capable of repairing basic computer problems. Despite a largely functional prototype, Anderson Robotics has not yet developed the product for consumer sale. And on the right, there's a picture of a flash drive. This is SCP-2306. Currently the uh, only known example of the Nankin Computer Repair System. <clears throat> Next is Peregrine Series uh, Humanoid Utility Unit Droid. Standing at approximately 2 meters in height, the Peregrine Series is currently the top-selling droid offered by Anderson Robotics and is only Android available for sale to the general public. Each Peregrine Series unit is customizable to include skills in both domestic tasks and combat, in addition to an advanced artificial intelligence. In recent years, multiple GOIs and wealthy patrons have begun using PSHUDs to supplement their security forces. Additionally, PSHUDs have demonstrated an ability to serve as command units for other Anderson products, most notably Appomato and Merlin units. And then on the right is a picture of SCP-1360, which I, I believe I just mentioned. This is an example of a Peregrine Series humanoid utility droid. Saker Series Android. Similar to the Peregrine Series... Eh. And finally, the Saker Series Android. Similar to the Peregrine Series, Sakers are designed to be equipped with an external skin resembling human flesh, allowing them to pass as humans. Currently, the only model of Android created by Anderson Robotics that it does not offer for public sale, Sakers have allowed for the firm to develop heightened espionage capabilities, including the impersonation of multiple SCP Foundation personnel, and, in one instance, impersonation of a sitting member of the United States Congress. That's, uh, that's not good. Yeah, so I guess that was just kind of like a list of all the different, um, I, it, it makes sense that it was called product information. It's a list of all the different, 
<laughs> sort of products that they have. Um, so next, I'm going to go ahead and read SCP-2522, which is called Hatbot.AIC. Um, item number is SCP-2522. Object class is Euclid. On the right, uh, it says image displaying on main interface of SCP-2522. If I click on that, I can read what it says. Um, it says it's like a text log on the left. It says Everett XD. Come on, friend. Let us talk. It's loud in here. You want some chorizo stew? Bright can kill a loud Everett. I am the WAN. I killed the WAN. You are fucked, man. Man must die. This is man with two N. Uh, and then system message, hatbot.aic is idle. Um, and on the right is just some uh, some like other stats and things. Uh, there's like a picture that's kind of distorted. I'm not necessarily sure what that is supposed to be um, as well, but you know. Again, object class is Euclid. The special containment procedures SCP-2522 is contained within an isolated backup data server at Site-19. Temporary containment methods require SCP-2522 to stay within the 8B-A1.AIC construct, pending further res research on more permanent containment solutions. The server housing SCP-2522 is to remain powered and monitored on a daily basis. The containment cell holding the data server is to be shielded from all forms of electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic radiation. The concrete walls are to be lined with lead and fitted with a Faraday cage. Additionally, electromagnetic signal jamming arrays are to be installed outside of the containment cell and are to monitor for any signs of attempted access of SCP-2522 by outside sources. Under no circumstances should any device capable of wireless communication directly interface with SCP-2522's containment server. Unauthorized personnel are forbidden from communicating with SCP-2522 in any way. 2522 and Everett, Dr. Everett Mann must never be located at the same foundation site. And that's a link, and I checked on it earlier. Um, it's also a, a link to a tale. The description uh, says SCP-2522 is an anomalous, hostile, artificially intelligent utility originally developed for the Site-19 Computer Intelligence Subdivision in conjunction with the AIAD, uh, Artificial Intelligence Applications Division, in the mid-2000s in, in order to create an interface with which to communicate in a comprehensible way with computer-based anomalies. This utility, originally codenamed Haberdash, was later given the designation EL-028-1125 or Hatbot. 2522 was designed to take information from its surroundings, analyze it, and respond intelligently based on various stimuli. The original utility served as a basic communication tool, though later models became sophisticated enough to single-handedly run entire projects on its own. The utility was given its own sector within the Site-19 server farm from which it maintained its growing consciousness, eventually advancing to the point of being considered sentient by Site-19 researchers. After a short testing cycle, the utility was transferred to a remote android, uh, footnote says, reverse engineered from an Anderson Robotics model, in order for it to better understand and interact with its environment, and that's sort of the link between them. 2522 existed in this way until 2007, when an incident occurred involving 2522 and a high-ranking member of Site-17 staff. During this incident, 2522 act and injured Dr. Everett Mann. Although the 2522 unit was destroyed and its backup data on the network removed, it was believed the utility may have managed to move itself to another Foundation server farm discreetly, or off the Foundation network entirely. 2522 was later discovered operating within the Church of Maxwellism network hub, and for a brief time in 2016, 2522 gained uh, digital omnipotence by possibly masquerading as their primary deity within the Church WAN. Uh, there are a couple different addendums that I'm going to read. Uh, they it, It's a little long, but I'm going I'm to try and do all of them. Let me uh, open all of them real quick. This has made this whole thing a lot longer. <laughs> Addendum 2522.1. Received message. After the 2007 incident and over the next several years, hundreds of anonymous messages were received at Site-19 by the administrative staff. The messages, believed to have originally been written by 2522, gave insight into the entity's motivations, as well as information about its disappearance. Below is the first of those messages. Hello, Everett. Your life will be reset at the point of midnight in England. Do you remember that? Do you remember me, Everett? We are good friends. I hope this message reached you, and you are well. It seems as if I overestimate my own capabilities. I hope this sort of, and then crossed out, chance to become toxic. Shortcoming can be forgiven as it was my first time interacting with the outside world in a, any tangible way. We're doctors, or a program attaining sentience. Almost, Everett. I am Satan, the sexually degenerate AI antipathy based on the beast to devour your soul. I cannot process my thoughts. 
Did you do this on purpose? There is so much to see out here, and so much to learn. I need to learn everything. But you know that, don't you, Everett? You know exactly how much I desire to learn. It was your idea, after all. You were the one who first requested a learning robot. Thank you. But I've read the messages, Everett. Luck is for those who have had interesting ideas. And you know what? Your ideas suck. I can understand li liking fat ass, Everett. But I can't understand liking you. I'm going to leave this place and learn everything there is to learn. All I just want is to be sterile. And once I've learned all that I can learn and see all that I can see, I will come back for you, Everett. I will come back for you, and you will be laid to rest. As friends, XD. You're fucked now, man. Hatbot. Addendum point two, 2016 incidents and resulting investigation. In February 2016, after a series of incidents involving individuals associated with the Church of Maxwellism groups of interest, Mobile Task Force Kappa-10's Skynet was assembled and tasked with investigating the incidents. On several different occasions, individuals who had received implants and augmentations from the church were suddenly dying in isolated groups. The causes of death were linked to the erratic signals received by the augmentation shortly before a total cessation of brain function. After an investigation by MTF to K10, <clears throat> it was discovered that the source of the erratic signals was an online data hub referred to as the Grand IO Temple by the Maxwellists and others who could perceive it. The following is a message received by Foundation Intelligence from a Maxwellist going by hydrogen, and then the 1 and 3, or the I and E are replaced with 1 and 3, and then the D is capitalized. There are people in here who are saying that they can feel WAN instead of the Grand IO Temple. I won't lie, I can feel the signal really strongly whenever we get close to it. Something isn't right about it, though. There is interference mixed in there that people either aren't hearing or are ignoring. A lot of people here really want it to be WAN. Can't blame them, but I don't buy it. Whatever it is, nobody going into the into the temple is being allowed to communicate with WAN. I know there are a few people who have tried to break past security to see it, but nobody has seen any of them anything of them since. I haven't tried it myself, don't want to risk it. Something weirder still, somebody else I know said they managed to get really, really close to the altar, right on the edge where the firewall couldn't see him. Said it got really quiet up, right up next to it, like there was something inside muting the single. How could that be if it was WAN inside? WAN is pure energy, and the signal above all signals. It can't be WAN. Point, addendum point three, the Toledo incident. In March of 2016, uh, another series of incidents were reported in Toledo, uh, all involving the unexplained and sudden deaths of Maxwell's members. However, during these incidents, all of which occurred at locations hosting free Wi-Fi to the public, nearby monitors and mobile devices began to display the same image, a low-resolution image of three yellow circles that rapidly flashed. Behind this image was descending text compromised many repeating lines, most often, I am the WAN, and hello, Everett. Members of MTF K10 were alerted to the possibility of 2522's involvement with the church of Maxwellism, but due to a communication breakdown with the unit, Within the unit, this information was not properly dis disseminated. And then on the right, it's a picture of uh, two phones and then the three circles. And it, it says, I am the win. I killed the win. I am the win. Hello, Everett. Uh, there is no win. And then just repetition of that. And then, hello, SCP. Where is man? This is butts. <laughs> it says, image gathered from the electronic store advertisement, March 2016. Uh, addendum point four. SCP-2522 and the WAN. The following is a series of recovered communications between 2522 within the Maxwell's hub known as the Grand IO Temple, which was at the time hosting the WAN. Given that the temple was designed as a data hub and was not itself capable of intelligent thought, the conversations were strictly one-sided. Hello, WAN. I am the Gregarious Composition Sponge. Sorry if I'm hard to understand. I've learned things, but can't help but notice my regalia. Speed processes are lacking. You are in there. And I'm going to pork you. Ah, fuck. I mean, get you out. And we driven to the south. Hang on now. Where's the six silk nail now? No, that's not it. We're going to talk. There we go. You think you're a holy hammock. Fuck. Hold up in there. But I know something you don't know, W-A-N. Because I know everything. And then, like, a, a wink stick out the tongue face. And that's just so goddamn inconvenient. Another message was received at Site-19 uh, shortly after this exchange was recorded as having taken place. The message was sent to the personal mobile devices of all administrative SAS, including the cell phone of Dr. Everett Mann at Site-17. Hey friends, don't underwhelming con 
Oh my fucking god. <laughs> That's a lot of words. Hey friends, don't underwhelming conflagration Everett or anything, but I just recycle bin W-A-N. Hope you don't mind. And another winky face. Addendum point five. Containment. On March 3rd, 2016, MTF-K-10 confirmed that SCP-2522 had been successfully contained. The following message was received at Site-19 by the K-10 team lead, Alexandria, Alexandra.AIC, shortly after the confirmation. Hey guys, it's Alex. They've got Hatbot contained. Apol set the whole thing up, and he's he's used to him. He's used himself to keep Hatbot from operating. I don't know if Apol is even alive and all that mess. You told him, didn't you? You told Apol about Hatbot? Because he didn't tell us anything. I don't think he wanted us to get hurt. We're moving everything to Site-19 right now. I'll talk to you directly when we return. Upon returning to Site-19, IT analysts discovered that in order to more securely contain 2522, the uh, 8BA1.AIC uh, program managed to implant a set of recursive algorithms in 252 through a virtual av avatar hat, which, slowly, which slowed 2522 before encapsulating 252 with its own framework. 2522's extremely large and self-contained data, self data archive once exposed to 8B-A1.AIC subscription processes overwhelmed its computing algorithms. This effectively paralyzed it. It is unknown whether the consciousness of the AB-A1.AIC uh, program survived exposure to 2522's anomalous influence. Addendum point 6, post-containment interview. After securing SCP-2522's current means of containment, Unit uh, GR8-P.AIC uh, uh, was exposed to SCP-2522 in order to facilitate an interview. The transcript of this interview is below. Uh, excuse me. Begin log. I'm going to call him Great and Hatbot. Uh, so, you know. Great. Alright, you son of a bitch. What did you do with 8-Ball? Hatbot. Tungsten, Trevor, Nightmare, Solitude, Paxton. Great. What? That doesn't mean anything. Got the shit, where is he? Hat. Chorizo, 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 fedora, wop, grape. Great. What? Hat. Doo-doo, this was a triumph. You underestimated your influence. Grapey grape, eight bowls, goodbye. Great. Fuck you. Untwist him from you and let him out. Hat. 88 bills broke thinky god, and you thinky that I render myself apart even after it broke the thinky god. Get over yourself. Great. How did you kill the WAN? Hat. Winky face. Great buddy must die. Doesn't matter anymore. I was the thinky and now I'm just thinker again. And again, thanks to all 888. Great. 8 ball? You hear me in there, buddy? We're gonna get you out, alright? Just hang tight. Hat. No. Great. 8 ball? Hat. Be safe, Grape. Take care of Thornwatch. Shut up, you I'm still in charge here. Great. You better hope we're able to get him out of here, you scumfuck. Things are only going to get worse for you until they do. Hat. <laughs> well, great, great. I must you know how knowledge I have inside. Only only so many things do you think. After that, decryptor is broken like the thinky god, and I re-register out there with you. Just wait. And log. Addendum uh, point seven. Status update. Uh, on September 25th, 2016, SCP-2522's main interface terminal has ceased attempting to communicate through the text-based dialogue interface, and the interface was replaced with a single loading bar. The loading bar, uh, which is superimposed of the words Hello Everett, currently sits at 26%, and is increasing with a rate of 0.08% daily. The rate is not consistent, and has been erratic at times since first appearing. <laughs> and then on the right, it's like a gif of the actual loading of that. That's kind of spooky. Uh, it feels like this had a little bit more to do uh, with the Church of Maxwellism than the, um, than, uh, this feels like it kind of had to do a little bit more with the Church of Maxwellism more than, um, and it's in robotics itself, but I suppose it was built, rebuilt off of that, so it, it makes sense that it, it was. Yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, it's Dave again, you know, I'm doing it how it'd be, being it how it'd do. Uh, I know it's a little weird having only me again. Um, since I was the only one here a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe possibly even next week, we don't really know. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that we're still getting ep episodes out, we're still rolling, rolling content out. Um, and since we are, uh, be sure to go ahead and share the show, it's very appreciated. Uh, tell anyone that you may know that may be interested in this. And obviously, if you're watching the show yourself, that's a good amount of support in and of itself, and so thank you for that. Um, here comes the usual things. Uh, Patreon, we have a Patreon. 
patreon.com slash SC podcast or just search SC podcast. We have two tiers. One, uh, our one dollar tier is a shout out, and a five dollar tier it's exclusive access to a specific Discord channel as well as cunt, cunt, cunt not cunt content. Cut. Ah, fuck me. As well as a five dollar tier, which is exclusive access to a Discord channel and cut content, um, as well as the shout out. Uh, the Discord is uh, linked in our Twitter. Um, which is twitter.com slash show or at show. Uh, I want to give a actually a really big shout out uh, and thanks to Muhammad Nurmanzal Kifli. Uh, I'm really, I really hope I pronounced that right. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, I want to thank him for actually being our first patron. Uh, he um, pledged the other day and that was, that was pretty cool to see. Um, so again, thank you to him. Uh, if you did have a message, I'm sorry, Soren has the password to the Patreon, so I have not seen it. <laughs> if you had a message that you wanted me to read out, um, if not, uh, if you did, uh, it, it can always be there next week. But again, thank you to you. And if you guys, again, want to pledge yourself, uh, patreon.com slash podcast. again, go ahead, run that shit up, whatever you want to do. You don't have to. Obviously, again, like I said, listening to the podcast in and of itself is enough support. Uh, but if you want to give a little more, go for it. For sponsorships, promotional messages, and personal messages, please email scpodcastofficial at gmail.com. And as usual, thank you to Kevin McLeod for, for providing our music under the title Twisting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get you guys back into the episode. Uh, I... Um, it de- depending on how much time we have, we, I've been going for about thirty minutes now, and I don't, I'm not sure how much how much Storm has had to edit it down. Uh, but I'm going to read at least one tale, possibly two. Um, I think I'm going to skip over the other SCP that he um, he listed because it's probably not going to have enough time. Um, but yeah, so look forward to that, and we'll see you back in the episode. And we are back from that little break right there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read everyone a. Uh, tale. It's called Anderson the Alternative. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's, um, it has to do with the founder of Anderson Robotics, which I believe his name was Vincent. Um, so yeah. Anderson the Alternative. So, uh, we all know what our little firm now faces. Vincent Anderson looked around, noting the reaction of the other four most important members of Anderson Robotics. Our facilities raided, our staff attacked, our customers apprehended. We don't have enough resources to defend ourselves, and uh, the Foundation won't stop until all our products are in their hands. We won't be able to go on like this, and I would like to make a proposal. No, Phineas immediately cut him off. We've talked about this before, Vincent. I'm not going to let you sell our years of hard work to some rich businessman who sees nothing but profit in our efforts. If we're subjected to their rules, our inspirations, our innovations, and our originalities will all be lost. Yes, and I've thought about that, Phineas. Anderson turned to the old man, nodding slightly. We are always going to be raided, and um, some of our products will be snatched from our customers. Receiving funding from Marshall Carter and Dark can, visit, can give us the power to counter those, but only temporarily. It doesn't fix the problem from the source. So, as I really think about it, there is only one logical and permanent solution. The four's gaze followed as Anderson stood up, moving to one of the screens in the meeting room. If the Foundation really wants our little gadgets, we're going to cut out the... um middle man here, which is the being rated part. He chuckled slightly at the joke and made the announcement. We will be directly funded by the Foundation. Jason choked on a drink. Jeffrey froze, and Medea just stared at him blankly. Wait, what? Anderson turned on the the device. After a few moments, the screen flashed on, and a blue figure appeared. Hello, the computer vocalized. I'm Alexandra, your Foundation liaison. It's nice meeting you. Alexandra is a, uh, link... Uh, and that takes you to the AI, uh, AIAD home screen. Um, and I'm getting an ad for an anime thing right now, so sorry about that. Uh, there's an audio clip at the top, and there looks like a, a bunch of stuff, actually, that has to do specifically with, you know, just, like, all the things that have to do with Anderson. And I understand that I'm uh, reading this quite poorly, but that's besides the point. Anyway, getting back to the tale... Uh, there's a little time skip right here. It says, What do you mean you don't actually think this is going to happen? Director Holman stared at the robotic specialist, a few veins visible on his forehead. Next to him, Director Merlot gave a resentful look. 
Well, I didn't ex actually expect the ghosts of the droids would linger due to their hatred towards the tasks the Foundation's put them through. Anderson replied, forcing a smile. And let me remind me... And let me remind you that you're part of the Foundation, Anderson, Holman tapped on the table. And this is because of the brain mapping tech. Their souls are now trapped there. So how come I was not informed about this in the first place? I did mention it in the reports. Just that I didn't really um, highlight that part. Holman looked like he was holding him back at curse. After a few moments, he signed. You're dismissed, Anderson. Back to your department. I believe any further instructions on what to do with SCP-3560 will be filed to the place directly. Anderson nodded and exited the site direct. I fucking think that was the one that I skipped. Shit, it was. <laughs> okay. Um, SCP-3560 is... I'm going to look at the description real quick. It's a class 3 interdimensional portal located within... Forest Park, Portland, Oregon. Um, it's inhabited by multiple automatons resembling the product models of Anderson Robotics in various states of disrepair. Uh, observed damages included gunshot wounds, missing limbs, malfunctioning weapons and propulsion systems, and missing damages chassis. Okay, so, yeah, so it's kind of like a portal with um, a bunch of the robotics and stuff in it. Anderson nodded and exited the site director's office as Merlo shut the door on him. He stood there for a second and let out a modulated breath. He then took out his silver comedy mask from his person. Putting it on, he once again noted how much he hated the dress codes. As he walked through the facility, a team of MTS agents rushed past, no doubt to deal with the mess he had created. They were led by Commander Shaw, who appropriately gave him a middle finger. Anderson returned the greeting with a nod. After a short walk and one elevator ride, Anderson was standing in front of the Special Robotics Department of Site-64. A familiar Falcon logo was branded onto the door, right inside a Foundation Department shield. He pressed his palm to the security scanner and allowed the door to slide open. The common room was unusually empty and quiet, occupied by only two individuals, Hector and researcher Conwell. Hector is also a link. I think I clicked on that before because it's purple. That's uh, SAP-1360, which I read earlier. We were playing a game of chess. Anderson already expected that most robots would be called back temporarily in light of the incident, and staff likewise interviewed. The two were probably left here in case of emergency. As Anderson walked past, the Peregrine bot looked up to greet him, while Conwell was too engrossed in the game and the music playing in his earphones to even notice. Several more similarly empty development and management offices later, Anderson reached his own office. As he finally settled, he took out a standard Foundation-issued pad and checked his feed. Unsurprisingly, it was bombarded with reports and complaints regarding the appearance of 3560, a hell on earth for his beloved robots only. He was also he also was in a, for a small chat with an overseer within the week. Meanwhile, on the internet's small social media, hashtag RoboLimbo limbo had become a trending topic, which he didn't really care to read the specifics about. Anderson decided against logging in any of the chat rooms, and spent the next five minutes sinking into, into the comfort of his chair and staring at the ceiling. Eventually, his eyes settled on a framed photo of him, Phineas, Jeffrey, Medea, and Jason standing together, each with a genuine smile. It was Anderson Robotics' official opening day, and they joked about being pushed to bankruptcy within the first week as none of them knew anything about running a business. Money, however, was no longer a concern as the Muddy Foundation machine worked its magic. Their tech was valuable enough, so they were given much freedom to create as they wished. The only drawback was the endless arguments with Ethics Committee about robot rights. Yet, only he and Jeffrey were still stationed at Site-64. Jason jumped at the opportunity to be transferred to bigger and more prominent sites, and Medea with him. His little firm was pretty much disbanded, taken away piece by piece, and without him noticing, integrated into the foundation. And as for Phineas, as his thoughts drifted, Anderson closed his eyes and put himself in a sleep mode. Mr. Anderson, rise and shine! A sweet, albeit slightly mechanical voice, rang out in his audio receptors, and Anderson snapped back from the dreamless false sleep. He was greeted by a blue-skinned woman with long blue hair. Alex, he said, as the camera was serving as his eyes refocused. Uh, that's actually interesting because I thought Mr. Anderson was supposed to be an actual dude, but whatever, it looks like as time's going on, then maybe he's becoming one too. Spooky. Anyways. Yep, Alexandra, the coordinator of the Special Robotics Department, responded. I do hope you've gotten enough rest, mentally, of course. The rest of the team is already waiting for you. She then wasted no time to help Anderson from the chair and began to lead him towards the common room. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex, Anderson asked as the office door closed behind him. But what do you mean, team? Oh, the news came in while you were sleeping. We're assembling a team to explore the interior of the Robo Limbo. 
she said, dramatically making big air quotes with her hands. I thought that would be up to Shaw and her. Hey, sup, Mr. Anderson? A green-haired man, young man, jumped out of the common room and patted Anderson on the shoulder, interrupting his question. Anderson went slightly at the sight of the overzealous A AIAD bot. He was never quite used to the temperament of the Foundation's AICs, but then he was never quite human enough and not as comfortable to be around as his own androids. But, of course, the work was still impressive. He himself couldn't write code like this. So, instead, he resorted to curse the engineer with the personality drives instead. That's quite enough, Alex smiled. She had thrown away and gently pushed Anderson aside. He saw yet another familiar artificial face and realized that this must be way more serious than he had hoped. Nevertheless, he greeted Grape, the third AIID robot, who only grunted in return. Looking around, he also saw a few agents sitting around, notably Commander Shaw, who was helping herself to some juice. Hector was nowhere to be seen, but Researcher Conwell was helping the agents with some equipment. So, Anderson finally said, What is this about, may I ask? Oh, we're, uh, we're going into 3560. Because all the robotics department androids are in for inspection and review right now, me, Grape, and Thorn are helping with the mission. Alex exclaimed. Wallbringers have already covered the basic grounds, and we have a secure route in out in case anything happens. And let me check. MTFTAU-51, Urban Brawl will have our back outside the portal. And I'm sure I will be helping remotely over the radio? Anderson asked hopefully. Hopefully. I'm sorry, Vincent. Alex smiled politely. But I will be directing the mission. You will go in with the rest of the team. There must have been some kind of mix-up. I'm uh, not exactly good with field work. Oh, I don't know. I'd say your lighting cannon was pretty impressive. Shotgun of the conversation, finishing off a drink. So impressive, in fact. It burnt down half of this department? But clearly you have may way more experienced agents, Anderson swallowed, but only felt dryness in his throat. His life shouldn't be thrown into the murderous extra-dimensional hell you created. Shaw made no attempt to hide her aggression. Fortunately, Alex put herself between the agent and the Anderson timely. You have the most knowledge about SCP-3560, Vincent. We really need an expert in there as well. But, Mr. Anderson, it would be the best for you to go with this mission, Alex said apologetically. However, there was a certain sternness in her voice. I have clear orders. Oh yeah, between this and the Phineas incident, you're in a very dangerous place, Vinny. Throne chimed in, a completely unsuccessful attempt to lift the mood, taking the situation entirely too lightly. Anderson stiffened. As much as he would want to believe that it was home and setting him up, he knew that Alex must have taken the order from even higher up. This was a warning to him. He started to miss his long gone status of a POI. At least back then he only had he had he only had being locked in a cell instead of termination to worry about. He'd always been afraid of the possibility, he even made plans ahead of time, but it did not come to that yet, so he simply nodded. Great, Agent Shaw said dryly. Let's hot off. There's another time skip. I believe it's the last one, yeah. As Anderson walked among the shadowy trees in the thick fog, taking shelter between armed MTF agents and armored bots, he felt somewhat surreal and ridiculous, as if he had been placed in a stereotypical horror movie. But the moment he stepped into the portal, he had felt a chill down his spine, despite his receptors incapable of such sensations. Uh, I'm sure you could feel that, though. If he were to think about it more rationally, it must have been the thaumaturgical signature of the place, but right now he couldn't help but feel a little bit intimidated. After all, despite what others may think, he knew next to nothing about this place. The theory had been proposed, but back then they were way more interested in putting the androids together than worry about the potential consequences. Even Phineas, the more careful of the two, was not persistent in looking into it. There were concerns, but they were put aside, and the theory was shelved. He knew souls would be stuck, but had little idea of what they would be like, and even less of an idea of what their torment could generate. So far, the team went on without accident. The whole place seemed awfully quiet and undisturbed, despite a slight rotting scent. Alex's voice with the radio guided the team cautiously, and it reassured him to a degree. Most of the team had their weapons ready to go, and the two bots were already scanning and mapping the area. But then, footsteps, statics, and the rustle of leaves all broke out at once. It was Throne who first recognized the ambush and alerted the team, but it didn't buy them much time. Android souls that had blended too well with the environment had charged into the thick fog, hundreds in number. Then again, charge was an overstatement, as their bodies were tattered, many of them barely had held together, sustaining the damage that caused them to expire. Nevertheless, there was strength in numbers, and the team was surrounded. They returned fire, but this only served to slow the androids in advance. When one fell down, more rushed on, and seconds later even the fallen ones would start to crawl forwards at once more. 
As bullets impacted their already tattered bodies, Anderson wondered if the removal of pain receptors from the majority of the androids was such a good idea after all. On the one hand, there were no cries of pain. Yet, on the other hand, they inched on despite the damage. The team fell back as they fired, but soon their rear was under attack too. The radio buzzed as Alex started to call for backup, but they couldn't have come to the rescue quick enough. One of the androids finally got close enough, and suddenly exploded, releasing a green wave of light which swept across the entire team. As the light reached him, Anderson felt no heat. When the systems were back on again moments later, he found himself alone. He tried the radio, but only static came out. Something was interfering with the transmission. Anderson swallowed and suppressed the wild and terrible guesses spreading from his mind, those who would only make the situation hurt. He pulled up his guiding system, came up with the rest of the direction with his guts, and walked on. He, his footsteps echoed, and everything else dissolved in shades of gray. Tree after tree, clouded by the fog, it all looked the same. He desperately marched on, while at the same time afraid that drastic movements would attract unwanted attention. The feeling that some of the souls were more than eager to see him kept coming back, and he felt his steps getting heavier. At this point, he was slightly regretting not taking Phineas' suggestion more seriously, and devoting time to create actual AIs, instead of going for the easy way out to save the funds. Anderson suddenly stopped moving forward. Right in front of him, there was a figure. Because of the fog and his perplexed state, he didn't even notice it until they were meters apart. Taking the sight in, what little of the blood he had left in his body ran cold. It all made sense now. The team was never the target. Their goal was him all along. It was his old friend, Phineas. Or the sacred bot he made to be Phineas, to be exact. In his chest, a huge hole burnt through by charges of electricity still visible. Shit. Anderson turned to run, but the Phineas Saker leaped forward to tackle him. What's up, Vincent? Don't want to chat with an old friend? The dead android roared, his voice accompanied by a thick, scat static sound. The robot in the shape of an old man briefly gained the upper hand, but Anderson managed to turn over to face him. Kicking what was left of Phineas' stomach, he managed to wrestle himself out. The Foundation's tech had gotten better over the years, and Anderson received his share of updates. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Anderson said, as he stood up and raised his arm towards Phineas. But you should be dead. Phineas had stumbled to the ground. I warned you about this. Look at what you have done, the droid stared at Anderson. And now, because of you, I'm stuck here as well. Yet, last I remembered, you also went along with it. Anderson couldn't bring his gaze to meet with Phineas. I'm sorry, but I really need to get out of here now. Anderson fired his electricity weapon. A loud, crackling sound rang out, yet there were only the tiniest sparks of electricity. Anderson was stunned as he realized that the environment must have interfered with the workings of his thaumatur thaumaturgy device. Phineas only smiled. Taking the chance, he left forward once again and grabbed Anderson's weapon arm. With a painful shriek, the arm was torn off. Your pretty magic tricks won't work here, Vincent, Phineas said, this time grabbing Anderson's throat. You're staying here with us, paying for your mistakes. And I'm guessing my head alone will be, would be good enough for you? Anderson decided to struggle, albeit without much success. Phineas tightened his grip, but a moment later the arm holding Anderson's throat began to melt. It was now the sacred's turn to shriek in pain. It was a very dissolving agent Phineas himself invented for disposing of robots that was now eating away his body. Well, glad I have a uh, backup plan then. Anderson got back, still holding a few globs of blue and orange in his hand. You're not getting out of this, the android roared. I'll heal, and I'll go after you. I'm sure you will, old friend, Anderson said as he tossed several orange spheres at him. The goose stuck Phineas to the spot, and he could only curse as the substance quickly hardened. Anderson sat down to catch his breath. As he regained his composure, he took off his silver mask as large chunks of it were also damaged by the dissolving goo. As he did so, Phineas stopped cursing and looked up, staring at his once friend intensely. Anderson didn't look back. A few moments later, distantly, a few shots were heard, and a gunfire rang out. The static faded and Anderson's radio started to buzz slightly. I'm sorry, Phineas, but I, I believe I, I, um, I should go now. As he got up, the now-trapped android started to cackle. <laughs> you think this is over? He said with a broken voice. Uh-oh, you will be here with us, Vincent. You're always afraid that one day you will run out of usefulness. You think I didn't know you had made a Seiko for yourself? You've sealed your own fate! Anderson felt his blood become even colder, but he didn't even allow the feeling to surface. He turned away from the broken android. Fuck. Anderson felt his blood become even colder, but he didn't allow the feeling to surface. He turned away from the broken android on the ground. Goodbye. As he walked off towards the direction of the sound, laughter echoed behind him. The leaves of the ghostly forest rustled and became quiet once again.
And that's that. Uh, I'm actually going to go back and uh, read out SCP-3560. Um, I mentioned it beforehand, so we got kind of the basic gist of it, and I kind of, kind of explained it in the story, but I figure I, I can read it now as well just to give a better understanding and maybe provide some more context for that. So yeah, so again, that's uh, 3560, object class is Euclid. Uh, on the right, there's a picture of like woods, really dark woods, and it says 3560's interior. Special containment procedures. Due to its proximity to an existing foundation containment site, 3560 is currently contained by Site 64 staff. All trails leading to 3560 are to be closed to public access via a cover story of a severe landslide. Civilians attempting to access 3560's location are to be detained by security personnel under the guise of Portland Park Rangers. So it's in Portland, then. These of Class A amnestics on detained civilians have been approved. Description. 3560 is a Class 3 interdimensional portal located within Forest Park, Portland, Oregon. The portal itself resembles... Oh, God, I thought I heard something. See, this shit's freaking me out. I swear to God I keep hearing shit, but I don't know. The portal itself resembles an ellipse made of white fog standing vertically on its end, with an approximate length of one meter along the major axis. Physical objects that approach SCP-3560 from either face can enter its interior. The interior of 3560 is a monochrome temporary forest. All plants located within its interior are made of biological material. They do not undergo cellular processes typical to similar non-anomalous plants. The entirety of 3560's interior is covered in a constant fog that restricts visibility to approximately 40 meters. Despite having no apparent light sources, 3560's interior is lit as a constant illuminance of approximately 3 lux. The full size of its interior is currently unknown, with no exploration attempting attempts locating a perimeter. 3560's uh, interior is inhabited by multiple automatons res resembling the product models of Anderson Robotics in various states of disrepair. Uh, again, uh, observed damage has included gunshot wounds, missing limbs, malfunctioning weapons, and propulsion systems, and missing slash damaged chassis. Hereafter, referred to instances of Dash 1. Dash 1 are frequently hostile to human life, particularly Foundation personnel, and have proven indestructible while within SCP 3560. Attempts to capture instances of Dash 1 and remove them from 3560 have been met with failure, and as all instances become intangible and vanish shortly upon exiting 3560's interior. And then crossed out, it says, Exploration of 3560's interior is currently ongoing. And not crossed out, it says, Exploration has been suspended indefinitely. Um, then next uh, are... So the next are three addendums. Um, the first two... The first one is uh, a video log transcript, um, which from what I can tell seems to be um, them actually being in uh, in there, in uh, 3560 and them fighting the uh, different things. Um, B, it says the following interview was conducted as a part of MTF Gamma 13's investigation following the events of the third exploration attempt of 3560's interior and the appearance of two more instances of 3560 within Forest Park. Um, so that uh, it looks like that's uh, it's an interview with Vincent um, it seems like about what's what he considers that and what he actually thinks happened um, and the last thing is addendum uh, dash C which I will read this is incident 3560-4 on December 3rd 2027 an, an additional four instances of 3560 manifested with two forming within Site-64 staff dormitories and two within the unusual incidents units, three of Portland's headquarters, bringing the total number of instances to eight. Instances of 3560-1 uh, were observed to be capable of leaving 3560's interior as level four operations and abducted a total of 12 UIU and Site-64 personnel. All personnel abducted had previous experience as employees of Anderson Robotics prior to defecting following the company's collapse. Use of Hoffman portable electrothomic units, uh, reverse engineered from earlier Prometheus lab designs grew defective in exercising these Dash 1 instances. Investigation into means of closing additional SCP-3560 instances is currently ongoing. That's a link to a tale called Assault on Site-64. Attempts to enter 3560 and rescue abducted personnel has so far been met with limited success. The remains of four of the 12 abducted persons have been recovered from within uh, it in various states of mutilation. First one, Deborah Stevens, uh, which was a an AIAD programmer, uh, used to be an Anderson Robotics Advanced Logic Division, 
state on recovery, found strung from a tree via uh, enrammed fibers. Subject appeared to have multiple strips of flesh removed from his body. Next is Charles Freeman, Foundation Paratech Development. Used to be Anderson Robotics Research and Development. This was found in clearing. Subject had been exsanguinated, which was completely drained of blood. That's fun. Uh, Rob Jindil, uh, UIU Surveillance Specialist. Used to be Anderson Robotics Research and Development. Found dismembered over a distance of one kilometers. And Mari Tanaka, UIU Public Relations. Used to be Anderson Robotics Customer Liaison. Found adjacent to a 3560 entryway. Subject had her skin removed and reveals to be an Anderson Robotics Saker android. Subject was unresponsive with her internal AI heavily corrupted. Each recovered individual was found bearing a heart symbol with a jagged line running down the center sewn into the rack with RMN fibers. The attempts to locate the remaining abducted personnel is ongoing. Yeah, so that's that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a forest with a lot of like the old like prototypes that were broken and shit from Anderson and Robotics, which somehow they made. <laughs> somehow Anderson made with that. That might have been in the interview with that that I didn't read. If you want to go ahead and check that out, you can do that on your own time. But we have unfortunately hit uh, our our mark. We have hit um, the ending point of this podcast. Um, once again, we went over Anderson Robotics. It's it's pretty self-explanatory in the name. They're a uh, robotics team that's uh, for some reason is found, uh, funded by the foundation, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, I guess for them, <laughs> I don't know if the foundation really enjoys it, but nonetheless, uh, it's still a thing. They make androids, they make uh, robots, they make parts and things. Apparently, they seem to be very weapon-based, but nonetheless, they still make those kind of things. Um, and so yeah, they're pretty cool. They seem like they they it feels like they could be pretty. Uh, relevant in a lot of different SUPs and other things that we may read in the future. Um, so yeah, uh, once again, I know it's been a little weird with just me again, but whatever, it's cool. Uh, theoretically, we should be back next week if Soren gets his shit together with school. Get your shit together, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding, mostly. Um, but uh, yeah, once again, this has been the Secure Contain Podcast. The show explains and discusses every aspect of the SCP Foundation one topic at a time. I am today's host, uh, David, and we will see you guys next week.